Delco. What is Delco? Urban Dictionary, maybe the best definition of any place in the history of any place. Delco is the nickname for Delaware County, not just a place to live, it's a way of life. Delco isn't something you obtain with a short visit while you're passing through. Never has been, or don't actually live here, you just won't understand. Delco is something you can spot across the bar while out of town. Speaking of bars, there's 42 to 1 ratio when it comes to bars to libraries. And it's cool to be a 26-year-old bar back. You're just waiting for your build big break. Delco people love being from Delco. I don't know if there's anything special from Delco, except being a Delco guy, I kind of like it. and welcome in here to episode 13 of Delco Baseball Now. My name is Brendan Ricciardi. we got a great episode coming at you for the second straight year. I got to be a part of a Delco League championship winning team and also get to interview the finals MVP. We have a great interview with Villanova graduate Cam Mathis as well as Monsignor Bonner graduate Tommy Bradley, that nice pitcher-catcher combo, as Wayne captured their 18th Delco League championship they're third in the last four years. It's just amazing what this franchise has been able to do since they came into the league in 1986. That is 36 seasons. They've won the championship 17 times going into this year. 18 is what we sit at now after a great five-game series with the Upper Darby Blue Sox. So we'll get into that interview a little bit later on. But for now, let's get a little bit of recap of what happened in this series. We'll start off, we'll go a little bit further back, kind of just how we got here. We had, we'll go all the way back to the beginning. Marple Newtown took down Chester in the wild card game. So Marple Newtown then went on to play Springfield, and Springfield won that series, a thrilling three-game set. Narberth and Addison Valley was the other first-round matchup when Narberth took both of their games. So they advanced to take on Wayne in the second round. So we had Wayne taking on Narberth. Wayne took down Narberth in four games in one semifinal. The other side of the bracket, Springfield and Upper Darby went all five games, but it was Upper Darby that was able to hang on in advance to try and defend their championship title back in the championship series for the second straight year. And they took on the team that's been giving them trouble for a long time, and that is Wayne in another great five-game series. We'll break this down one game at a time. We'll start off game one. We had Westchester's David Ferguson on the mound against Monmouth's Tommy Kent. And in his first Delco League Finals game after five years in the league, Stephen Wells set the tone early in the series. The first time I've ever seen him hit an opposite field home run, I'm sure that it's happened before, but it was just almost shocking. Uh, Left center field, he went in the bottom of the first inning, a three-run shot to really blow this game open. In the bottom of the second, two more runs were added by the Wayne offense. We had a... Sack fly from Nate Sides, as well as a bases loaded walk from Stephen Wells. So that that right there, he already had four runs batted in in the game. And it, you know, this was a game that it was 5 nothing after two innings. And, and it's funny that in Upper Darby's game one of their semifinal with Springfield, they were down 5 nothing as well. And they came back and tied it up. Well, the story was the same here. That Upper Darby scored four runs in the top of the third inning and was able to cut that lead to 5-4. They got another in the top of the fourth to make it a 5-5 game just like that. So Upper Darby is a team that is very comfortable playing from behind, and it was a 5-5 game for a long time. We'll fast forward into the bottom of the seventh here, where the game was starting to get kind of dark, and we had that in 
game three of the Wayne and Narber series where it just had to be suspended and picked up later. So in the bottom of the seventh, there was a base hit from Dan Williams. That was a pinch hit opportunity for him. And then with two outs in the inning, Tommy Bradley, who obviously we will get to talk to in a little bit, came up and he reached base on an infield single, but it just got under the glove of Max Anastasio that allowed Williams to score from second base. And it was a walk-off win for Wayne in game one. Anastasio was just unable to knock it down. It looked like it took a little bit of a hop that he was also kind of already, you know, focused on make, trying to make a what was going to be a close play at first that he just came up a little too early. And that was the difference in that game. And we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, how mistakes were shaping this series. But Wayne took game one, six to five. And then game two, everybody got to the field at Devon Prep ready to play game two. And it absolutely poured for a good probably like 20 minutes maybe 15 20 minutes and the funniest part was obviously the field was unplayable so game two was moved to Wednesday but it was gorgeous the rest of the day and it was it was a real shame that you know we only had the tarp for the pitchers mounted for home plate so the rest of the field you know was uh was not going to hold that much water so game two got moved to Wednesday which set up a Wednesday Thursday Friday three game and three days situation so on the mound for Upper Darby in this game, who else but Johnny Gonzalez, the 49-year-old reigning finals MVP, and he was spectacular. I mean, there's really not much else you can say about a guy who had already thrown two complete games in the last week, getting out there seven innings, four hits, only one run allowed, just unbelievable performance that he, you know, he put together in what I believe was the second time he faced Wayne this year, because the first time, him and Aunt Ely, I think it was like an hour and 15-minute game. But Upper Darby got two in the top of the first inning. Max Anastasio quickly redeemed himself for that error that lost game one. He had a two-run homer that ended up being the difference. It was a 3-1 to one final. Really not much uh, suspense you know, going into the end of this game here. I mean, Johnny was just in control for the whole time. Really not much going on. Upper Darby... They got up to the 2 nothing lead on top of the first on the, the homer by Anastasio. They also got a Steve Tyson opposite field single to make that a 3 nothing lead. Wayne got one back. Jay Starnish uh, had a field of choice that knocked a run in. But really, there, there's not much action to talk about in that one. Ant Ely was very good. There's you know it's, it's a tough luck loss. He threw four and two-thirds, only allowed the three runs. I mean, it was... You know, he was up against a man that was older than his father. And uh, I know that has to be pretty humbling for him. But, you know, it was still a good performance overall. The Wayne bullpen, Billy Ford and Mike Valente, you know, kept the game close. But there really wasn't much offense to talk about from either side outside of uh, Tyson and Anastasio. But Johnny Gonzalez was easily the story of this game. And it kind of set up, you know, because if this game was on Tuesday night, it would have been a lot more fathomable for Johnny to come back and, and pitch, you know, in in a game before game five. But since the game got moved to Wednesday, it started to bring that question. But the series was tied 1-1 heading into O'Hara. And on the mound for Wayne was the ace of the staff, Cam Mathis. And going on the mound for Upper Darby was Frank Parati. Now, this game was very bizarre just from the start because you have in the top of the first inning, it's one nothing Wayne at this point. Tommy Bradley comes up, bases loaded, two outs, Hits a fly ball to right field that Vince Gasparro just could not see it in the sun whatsoever. So what should have been the third out of the inning and a one nothing Wayne lead 
turned into a 4 nothing lead. All three runs came in to score. And Tommy's going to kill me for saying this, but it was his first double of the year uh, in a bit of an unconventional way. But, you know, put the ball in play and good things will happen. And three runs came in to score. So just, you know, from a box score side, like that's just deflating for a baseball team to have just that type of momentum shift, especially when you know you're going up against a pitcher of Cam's caliber to have that happen. And, you know, Cam took that momentum and he absolutely dominated. He got the win in game one coming in relief to uh, hold the 5-5 game in the top of the seventh. He comes in here, throws six shutout innings, one hit allowed, one walk allowed. He struck out five batters. Just an absolutely masterful display of pitching from the recent Villanova grad. And, you know, it. he he got a lot of help from his offense. He, he got two more runs in the top of the third inning. That was from a base hit by Matt Briner, as well as another base hit from Tommy Bradley, who finished with five RBIs on the day. Now, Tommy all season talked about the fact that guys were always on base for him, and he was always able to come up big. He, he ended the season second on the team in RBIs, uh, only behind our third-team All-American Luke Mutz. But, no, this game, it was an 8 nothing lead for Wayne heading into the bottom of the seventh. We took out... Uh, we took out Cam at that point just to try and save him. A little bit of foreshadowing there. Tommy Bradley, you know, it's a long day behind the plate. Uh, he was tired. He he, was, he let up a couple runs, but nothing that ever really had, you know, us worried that anything was going to really come from it. So Wayne took that one by a score of 8-3. to three. Stephen Wells had two knocks in the game. Like we said, Tommy Bradley, three hits, five runs batted in for the Wayne catcher slash pitcher in this game. But an 8-3 finals. We move on to game four here. Upper Darby trying to save their season. Now, it's interesting for Upper Darby. The script was the same as the finals last year. They lost game one. They won game two. They lost game three. So in order to stay alive, they were going to have to win game four again. And it did not get off to a very good start for them because Stephen Wells homered for the second time in the series to make it a 2-0 game early on. Upper Darby got one back in the bottom of the second inning. But it, you know, it, it... started to look like it was going to be Wayne's game to take because after Max Anastasio homered to make it 2-1, to one, it was another two-run single from Matt Briner, who's came up clutch all year long. And then it all started to go Upper Darby's way. They scored seven runs in the bottom of the third inning. Couple walks, couple errors, just really not good baseball overall by Wayne. But you got to give credit to Upper Darby because they were patient. They weren't chasing out of the zone. Their lineup put up a bunch of runs in that inning. Let's see, we had a uh, error that allowed Steve Tyson to score, make it 4-2. Sack five from Joey Supa, 4-3. Now, at this point, there's already two outs in the inning. So, Wayne could have got out of it unharmed. But instead, Christian Strickland and Billy D'Ambrojad back-to-back walks. Matt Query walked. Adam Fine walks. And that's three run-scoring walks in a row from the upper derby offense off of starting pitcher Joe Peluso. Steve Tyson had the big base hit to make it 8-4. to four. And this game wasn't quite out of reach yet. You know, you're out of the fourth inning. It's 8-4 to four upper derby. Then a two-run homer from Vince Gasparo. It was one of those things where, is the difference between four runs and six runs that dramatic? No, but it's more the, the momentum. Like, that was the metaphorical knockout punch. And whether they wanted to admit it in the Wayne dugout or not, putting in Nate Sides and, and Matt Briner into pitch was kind of the metaphorical punt saying, you know, we will be ready for game five and that's not a shot at all about sides or brighter but I think they've combined maybe two pitching appearances this season and you know it's it it ended up 
paying dividends. So it was an 11-4 Upper Darby win. Uh, we had Johnny Gonzalez once again, six innings pitched, four runs. For a while, it looked like he was, you know, he was going to finally run out of that playoff magic. But another victory at 4-0 in the postseason for him. And that set up the pivotal Game 5 at Devon Prep, Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock. Probably the nicest day of the entire summer, which was a good change of pace. Gorgeous, probably low 80s, a nice breeze. It was, it was sunny. And it's also the last game at the current Devon Prep field because that field will look completely different next year. It's going to be turf. There's going to be a hitting facility in right field where you can watch the game on top of. It's going to be a brand new scoreboard. It's going to look a lot different. And, you know, a lot of fields in the league are going to be different next year with Marple High School getting turf, Springfield back on their high school field. So really looking forward to that. But game five, we had David Ferguson from Westchester getting the start. He started in game one. We had Jackson Snyder from Westchester Henderson High School. He will be going to Mount St. Mary's. He got the ball. And, you know, it was it was really interesting for me because, you know, it, it's an interesting balance going between being a player on a team and also covering the league as a whole. You know, it's it's been easy enough for me to do this year just because I've been hurt the entire season. I had never stepped on the field once, so I didn't really have to worry about that. But, you know, it, it can bring a lot of just a lot of pressure and also <laughs> trying not to be, you know, too biased or anything of that matter. But, you know, looking at a guy like Jackson Snyder, who has only had a handful of pitching appearances, he, he had enough appearances to, you know, be postseason eligible. So I'm not at all complaining about that. I just thought it was interesting. Game five of the finals, you're starting a kid who really doesn't have that much experience in the league. But, man, he was fantastic. Five innings, four hits, one unearned run. Eight strikeouts, just really, really good pitching from him. But unfortunately for him, the Wayne pitching staff was even better. Seven innings pitched from Dave Ferguson and Cam Mathis. One hit allowed, five strikeouts, just unbelievable. They were a leadoff double from Adam Fine away from a no-hitter. And this game was not short of drama. So the first five innings, absolutely nothing going on. No runs for either team. And game five of the finals, man, it's starting to get tense in there. Especially, you know, for me, I can't do anything about it. So all I can do is pace around the dugout, which might I add hurt because my ankle's still broken. So it wasn't exactly the best way, but I couldn't just sit there. So fast forward, bottom of the sixth inning. At this point, we have Johnny Gonzalez warming up behind the dugout. So we kind of assumed that he was going to come in at some point. Nate Sides led off the inning with an uh, opposite field single. Stephen Wells worked a quick walk. And just like that, it was Johnny Gonzalez time, first and second, the go-ahead run on second base. So Billy Ford was able to poke just the perfect infield single. Uh, Billy listens to this. Sorry in advance, Billy, but he couldn't get the two bunts down. So he was able to find a way to get it done. Got the bases loaded and nobody out. So at this point, it's up to Johnny Gonzalez to try and pull some more magic out. And he started off, he got Matt Briner to ground out to second base, fired home for out number one. Tommy Bradley struck out looking. So at this point, I'm here sitting in the dugout. You know, as a guy that was on Upper Darby last year and saw everything that Johnny was able to do, I'm sitting there like, this guy's going to get out of it again, isn't he? Like, he's going to somehow find a way. And, you know, I hate to say this, but he kind of did, and it just it just didn't work out. So you got Jake Ciani up to bat. He grounds one that is, is handled cleanly by Max Anastasio. The whole field is yelling to throw to first. I guess with the speed of Siani, he was a bit worried about that. So he decided to throw back to second base. Steve Tyson wasn't exactly ready for it. Sailed over his head into right field. 
Valente was a pinch runner for Ford. He scores. Stephen Wells scored. It's a 2-0 upper derby lead. And it's just, I, I, I'm I, trying to think, I guess, the like I said, what he was intending on was a play at second base where it was a slower runner going to second base than Siani, who can really move. But the way the ball was hit with throwing across the body was just a very tough play. And granted, it would have been a close play at first base either way. But when you have two teams that are this talented, sometimes it's not going to be about who can make the play. It's going to be about who can make the mistake. And that that was the difference in this game. Now you go into the top of the seventh inning, quiet dugout. You're down 2 nothing. You're facing a guy in Cam Mathis who, in nine and two-thirds innings, has allowed one hit and no runs. So you start off the inning, Joey Super grounded out, Vince Gasparo popped out. Christian Strickland hit a ground ball to Sides, and Sides, I apologize if you're listening to this. I think he just got a little bit, a little bit excited trying to make that last out. He floated a little bit. That put the tying runner on base. That put the tying runner up to the plate as Strickland got to second on the air. Now, here's where things got interesting because Tyler Summerall was the batter due up, and he's a guy that can easily tie the game with one swing of the bat. He missed a lot of time with an injury, and the timing just didn't look like it was there all series. So what do you do? Well, you pinch hit Sammy Berman. Sammy Berman will be going to Hofstra in the fall, Division I baseball player. He had not played a single game in the series because of a hamstring issue. So you're talking about someone who hadn't seen pitching in a week, going out there not knowing what would happen. I mean, I got a lot of respect for Sammy, you know, wanting to be out there for his team in the biggest spot. He was a huge part of them getting there. Cam Mathis was able to win a good battle, get him to strike out swinging, and allow the Wayne dugout to burst out in celebration. And just what an unbelievable series. You know, it's it was definitely interesting for me having a lot of ties to both sides. But just to sit back and watch two really good teams. And I said it on the show all year when I was doing uh, the power ranking articles back earlier in the season before I realized like I didn't need to be giving anyone bulletin board material. But I knew I mean, these were the two best teams. They were really well constructed, deep pitching staffs, just smart hitters. And, you know, fortunate for me and... Uh, it went my way, and uh, I really, really appreciated, you know, getting to watch both of these teams, and I would not be surprised, you know, it's a it's a long offseason, but I would not be surprised if, if it's these two teams back in it again next year, but Wayne captures their 18th Delco League Championship, it's the fifth for head coach Brian Feely, also the Strathaven head coach, 13th for Brady Schlack, who is uh, more of an assistant coach at this point, he played a couple games. But he's been on this team for a long time. Seventh for Dan Williams, who, as Feely said in the postgame speech, like is you know transitioning to a bit of a different role on the team. But he was able to come through in some big spots to to get it done, and I really enjoyed being a part of it. And I got to say, you know, two and zero in Delco League Finals while doing podcasts about the league, it's it's a lot better for me. I, I I'm hoping to delay having to come on the air after a loss uh, as long as possible. But we're off to a good start here. And the best part, man, I didn't have to do anything. Unbelievable. You know, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that goes in. But as for actual baseball, uh, I wish I was out there. But at the same time, you know, getting to hold a trophy, knowing that you didn't even have to do anything for it, is honestly pretty rewarding, I must say. But, you know, you guys have heard enough uh, from me here. So I would be very excited to welcome on our two very special guests today. We got the pitcher-catcher combo of Cam Mathis and Tommy Bradley.
All right, we are now joined by Delco League champions Cam Mathis and Tommy Bradley. Appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, we'll start with you, Cam. Delco League Finals MVP after recording the win in all three of our wins in the finals. So what does that accomplishment mean to you? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, the fact that I my arm was able to hold up to be able to pitch three times and the way that uh, the Philly was able to, to manage the pitching worked out perfect for us. And, uh, you know, obviously having a great defense behind you and Tommy calling pitches and and making me as efficient as possible gave me the opportunity to pitch in three different games, and, and uh, it was pretty cool. Obviously, winning is way more important than MVP, but obviously the MVP is nice as well, too. Yeah, you got that nice gift card, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not sure what I'm going to spend it on yet, but uh, CNM's got a wide variety of stuff, I'm sure, so I'll check it out. There you go. And, Tommy, and it wasn't too shabby of a series for you either, Tommy. You had the walk-off in game one. You had five RBIs in game three. You also caught all five games. How are you feeling after this series? Uh, definitely uh, kind of glad that it's over. Glad we got to go out, you know, on the high note, obviously. Um, but, you know, it's tough, you know, being the guy that, you know, isn't playing college baseball, you know, coming into these summer seasons, you know, I'm not in tip-top shape like, you know, some of the other younger guys. So it's cool, you know, coming in, kind of getting the feel for things early on. Luckily, it was nice early on in the year dealing with a guy like Billy battling through injuries in and out, helping me, you know, sharing the load. And then, um, you know, I was able to luckily step it up at the end. Yeah, see, I got ahead of the game by being hurt before the season, so I didn't have to deal with it. But, uh, Cam, you threw an inning Yeah, I was a little jealous of that. Yeah. Cam, you threw an inning on Monday, six on Thursday, and three and two-thirds Sunday. So how are you feeling, like, on the mound during game five? Was it just all adrenaline at that point? Yeah, it was all adrenaline and Advil, honestly. I uh, took as much Advil as my liver could uh, could consume, I think, right before the start of the game just in, uh, in hopes of being able to go. And luckily, once I, once I got out there, it actually felt pretty good. And I, I knew I was going to be able to, to extend more than a couple innings and, and make sure that that I would be, you know, as good as I possibly could have been. Now, this season, you, you came into the Delco League summer with your body mostly prepared to be a reliever. So how was that, like, transition from going from a reliever back to being a starter? Um, he did me back into it. I, I started my pitch count, and I think about 50 pitches in, in first start, and then kind of just went up in increments of about 10 to 15 from there to uh, to get fully fully inclined to pitch, you know, like an 85, 90 pitch outing once a week, which uh, it worked out perfectly. Yeah, definitely. And for you, Tommy, you never really caught a lot of these guys like Cam, Ely, Ferguson, you know, White. So how was it you learning on the fly kind of what was going to be successful for each of them? Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely tough, you know, luckily, uh, these guys, you know, they're very serious. They take every game, you know, like it's one of their own college, you know, season games, they get warmed up, you know, let me go through a bunch of the processes, you know, catching the bullpen for the game. So it gives me a good feel, get the season pitches, see movement, stuff like that. Give me an idea what they're comfortable with and, uh, you know, what to call on certain counts. Yeah, you guys, you guys really seem to be on the same page for a lot of the series. I never really felt like, you know, you guys were shaking each other off or anything. Ten and two-thirds shutout inning, only one hit and one walk. So how are you able to find that success against a good upper Darby line? It, it honestly, it's, it starts with Cam. You know, he came up to me before game three and said, yo, like, you know, you've seen these guys, you know, like I'm going to trust you. You call what you need to call and, you know, we're going to stick with it. So, you know, having that trust – 
from someone like him, you know, it, it really helps me, you know, have confidence to, you know, just go out there and, you know, take down the whole lineup. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I, Tommy's spot on. I went up to him and said, hey, I know you've you've caught these guys two games in a row already. You've been behind the dish all year. We've been on the same page pretty much all year. I'm, I'm going to trust you with most of your calls. And and, I, and it was obviously very successful and it worked out great. He was uh, any big spot. He knew the, the perfect pitch to get the next guy out. And it was uh, it was a lot of fun working with him. Now, Cam, I wanted to ask you about what I thought was one of the funnier moments of the series when the upper derby, you know, bench was kind of huddling and said you were throwing like 84. So that had to give you some like extra motivation, right? You know, they might not have been that far off. My arm was definitely a little bit, a uh, little bit tired. It could have possibly been 84. But uh, yeah, that's obviously going to fire me a little bit. Hearing it coach by the guys, I'm saying that I'm not you know, not capable of getting them out when, when I truly believe that they, they weren't going to get any hits that day. And luckily it, it did work out that way. Yeah. There was a lot of chirping from that side. I believe I heard that Tommy Bradley was overrated. Is that correct, Tommy? Uh, you know, it, that sounds like something a runner up would say, but, uh, you know, it, that honestly, I, I heard that and, you know, it's just something to laugh at, you know, I, I love, you know, the going back and forth. It makes the game fun, especially in playoffs. You know, everybody's competitive. Everybody wants to go out there and win. Um, but, you know, you know, we're, we're a bunch of guys. You know, we work during the day, show up 30 minutes before a game, get the job done. So if uh, if that makes any of us overrated, then uh, I guess we're, uh, we're pretty good at being overrated. <laughs> it's all about who ends up with the trophy. All right, last question here. I'll start with Cam. Probably the most important question of all, how do you feel like you played in the annual Wayne golf outing on Monday? <laughs> not well, honestly. I'm, I'm not a good golfer, and, and it showed pretty pretty highly on Monday. I, I think we ended up um, – Ferg and I ended up coming in about seventh out of nine or ten teams, which is okay. I mean, I didn't, I didn't putt well. I didn't drive well. It was really one of those days that makes you question why you even play golf at all. But uh, <laughs> obviously a lot of, a lot of fun – Having that, having that time out there on the course with the guys and being able to uh, to celebrate a little bit after as well is a great time. Now, Tommy, you were the winner of the longest drive competition, so at least you got to go home with something. Yeah, you know, anytime you get to win something, it's uh, it's always fun, you know, especially, you know, winning even, like, you know, a trophy one day and a nice golf shirt the next. But, um yeah, no, it was a fun day. You know, like uh, I know Sean said earlier on in the season when he was on your podcast, he said that that golf outing is one of the best days of the year, if not the best, especially when we have the trophy there, obviously. So that made it really enjoyable. Um, you know, I was obviously playing with our third team All-American, Luke Mutch. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so let me tell you, his – uh. His golf game is far from his baseball game, but uh, but we were out there. You know, we had a great time. It was a uh, all around fun day. Yeah, no, and it's and it's cool to see. You know, obviously, this is my first year with this team. Like, you know, you got guys like like Cam's brother Alden. You got guys like Tom. You know, these guys that don't even play on the team anymore that still stick together. I like being a part of a group like this. It's cool. Yeah, most definitely. All right, well, I guess that's all I got for you guys today. Uh, Appreciate you taking the time to come on, and uh, hopefully we'll be doing the same thing next year. Yeah, sure. yeah thanks, thanks for having us, Brandon.
Hopefully, uh, hopefully you're shooting up next year for us too, and uh, are all healthy. Hope the hope the club season goes well for you. If I don't see you before you go back, yeah, appreciate it. And I hope that uh, Owen's joining me. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely excited about it. He's, he's excited to try out, and hopefully have a chance to make the team. All right, guys. Well, enjoy the rest of your summer, and uh, good luck with everything. We'll be uh, we'll be in touch soon. Sounds good. You too. All right, Brandon. Thank you, Tommy. I'll I'll talk to you. All right, later, Kenny. Adios. All right, thank you once again to Cam Mathis and Tommy Bradley for joining the show here to talk about that championship series. Really appreciate them taking the time to come on and talk. And I would also like to thank everybody who tuned in throughout the season. You know, last year I did this show. I called it This Week in Delco League. But, you know, I wouldn't say that I didn't take it seriously, but I I didn't really have it at, you know, the caliber that I feel like I have it at now. And part of the reason is is for you guys. You know, it's it's been really cool to see how many people, you know, will tune in and, and listen to me ramble about Delco baseball when usually it's just my mom and dad that have to sit and nod and be like, okay, honey, good job, you know, and and it's it's really, you know, humbling for me that, that people will, will tune into this and care what I have to say. And, you know, I'm, I'm just getting started with this year. I just got offered a job to cover high school football for a website called PA Football News. So I'm going to be, you know, tuning down the, the Delco baseball just for like the fall, you know, just because there's really not too much going on. I'll, I'll definitely be trying to give shout-outs to guys that are committing, things of that nature, and and give them the recognition. But it's it's football season. Everybody knows it's football season. So I'm going to take a little bit of time off from this, get back into it. I was hoping to kind of start something in the fall where I just you know keep up with guys that are doing their training, whether it's at Ascent in Garner Valley, whether it's at On Deck where Tommy works, you know, no matter where it is in the area, just trying to give a full perspective of, you know, what the preparation it really is going into a high school season, a college season, a pro season. We got Delco guys at all different levels. So that that kind of works out well that high school football ends usually early December. Get right back into that baseball grind in January. All right, well, I guess that is all I have for you guys today and for the near distant future. Make sure to give a follow, if you don't already, to our accounts at Delco Baseball on Instagram and Twitter. We also have a Facebook page as well. But for the time being, it was a great summer of Delco Baseball. Looking forward to it next year. See you guys.